Good, uh, good morning, uh, Life Church. For those who are here and then those who are online, welcome. It's uh, really great to have you, uh, have you join us. And uh, it's always, uh, always interesting to me, the, the first morning when people wake up and they, they see it cloudy and a little bit rainy, they're like, oh my goodness, the weather's horrible, I can't get out, I need to, I need to enjoy the morning. So uh, it's, uh, it's uh, folks, winter is on the way, right? I mean, it is there and I can't wait uh, for, I mean, winter people, right? I mean, come on, there's something special about you, something special about you. Uh, let me just, uh, one thing with uh, Ben and Blue Grams that will be here this next week, uh, they're going to be sharing for a window, they're not going to have the whole morning, they're going to be sharing for a window about missions. Uh, missions is absolutely vital to what we do here at Life Church, and uh, they're in the area and thought we would invite them to be a part of our morning service and take, a, uh, take just a, a segment of our morning and uh, talk through all that God is doing uh, in and through their ministry uh, in, uh, in Argentina and uh, where they are right now. So... Um, uh, let's see. Uh, last week there was a, uh, a debate, right? I think last Wednesday night there was a debate. The week before that there was uh, another uh, another debate because this is election season, and uh, this week uh, we should here in Utah be receiving in our mailboxes uh, a, uh, a ballots that we are to then cast, you know, fill them out and uh, drop them in drop them in the uh, mail and give our opportunity uh, to express our opinion uh, through voting. And uh, as a nation, uh, we do encourage participation. We need faithful followers of Christ in all levels of government. And if that's ever something that you feel like you'd, you want to be involved in, man, we will pray for you, ask God's blessing upon you, and release you to be involved in, uh, in politics. It's, a, uh, it's an interesting world to be involved in, for sure. Um, and so we'd love to see people involved in national, local uh, governments um, but we know that our hope is in Christ, ultimately. It's not in a government system. It's not uh, in any way, uh, uh, you know, we don't look to people for salvation. Um, but our government systems can make spreading the gospel easier or more difficult, right? And uh, obviously, we would like to make it as easy as possible to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we do, have, um, we do have opinions, we do have options, we do have opportunities, uh, because we do live in the United States, uh, to, uh, to cast that vote. And so there are, um, uh, every time that uh, we, we arrive this at every, every four years, uh, there are things that concern us when it comes to the big national uh, things that are um, kind of of national importance. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through a list of things. Some of them you will be passionate about, others of them you will write off because it doesn't necessarily line up with maybe a political belief or something like that, but um, just, these are just words, no particular order necessarily. Abortion, immigration, health care, climate change, taxation, the economy, national debt, welfare, corporate taxation, redistribution of wealth, consumerism, American exceptionalism, globalism, religious freedom, racial equality, justice, Supreme Court, and I could go on and on and on. All of these are big picture kind of things that we have to wrestle with when figuring out who we should vote for. Because we do have opinions, we do have ideas, we have things that we feel very, very deeply and we're in a position to affect the direction of our nation through our ability to vote. What are we to do when it seems that it is so divisive? It's always divisive, right? I mean, I, I don't know of any, any elections ever that everybody goes, oh, yeah, we agree on everything. 
<laughs> across the board, regardless, right? That just doesn't happen. So it's always divisive. But for whatever reason, this year feels particularly so. To listen to some on one side would lead you to believe that it doesn't matter anymore and we are all doomed. Uh, to listen to others, you would say that uh, one, one let, let's just say, you know, Trump is Jesus and Biden is the devil, or Biden is Jesus and Trump is the devil, right? We have this, this incredible separation that's happening within our world. And as I've said from the beginning, our biggest concern is that our ability to tell the story of Jesus is not derailed by our political views, that our ability to proclaim Jesus Christ in the world around us um, is, uh, should not be equated with a particular religious view or understanding of who God is. Because we never want it to be that in order for you to come to Jesus that you have to believe a certain political way. Because that's not the point. The point is, is that Jesus alone saves us. Jesus alone is the one who changes and transforms us. The gospel of Christ is not political. It crosses all boundaries, all affiliations, all nationalities, all things. But when a political view becomes more important to you than Jesus, it is a problem. As we find out today from Paul, what we boast in matters. The things that we take pride in matter deeply. And so let me get uncomfortably specific. Is that okay? Can I do that? As I sweat profusely from my armpits. Here we go. Is Trump the savior? To listen to some Christians, it appears so. I mean, genuinely, it appears so. And there's an appeal to Cyrus and looking at the Old Testament, and just like God used Cyrus to produce some sort of end, that, that God now is using Trump to produce some sort of end, and so therefore, you know, and, and you can draw whatever conclusion you would like to about that. Um, and that no matter what, God has anointed it. To others, Trump is the devil incarnate. <laughs> Neither extreme is true. And the same would go for Joe Biden. Same goes for governors. Same goes for senators. Same goes for House of Representatives. Right across the board, to mayors, down to city council members. Those extremes are not true. They are just fallible men and women doing what they believe is right. Um, so when it gets down to it, we're left with a difficult proposition to wade through systems that are fallible and broken to cast a vote for the party that we feel most aligns with our beliefs. Now, I could proclaim to you what my strong opinion is about which side that should be. But the point ultimately is, is that we've got to be convinced as followers of Christ that when we do cast our vote that that vote is simply an acknowledgement that we are voting for a broken, infallible system with broken, infallible people at the leadership who are going to make decisions that we will disagree with at some point, but recognizing that we do have standards by which we do need to judge how we vote. And so we have scales for things that, uh, that concern us most. And for some, we feel that that scale is incorrect. Right? For, for some that would put, and uh, in, in for me, and I might be revealing a bit much here about where I am on this whole thing, uh, but what we believe about human life is absolutely vital to how we vote. To me, that's above our economic standing. To me, that's above so many other things, but human life 
is something that is absolutely precious to God. Why? Because we are made in the image of God. And so there's something about that that, that is more important to me than taxation, Something about that that's more important to me than immigration, because I believe what your view of the image of God is within people also informs your view of what immigration is, and on and on and on it goes. So regardless of the outcome of, uh, what, is, what are we now, 20, 21 days roughly, uh, 23 days, um, regardless of the outcome, God is still on the throne. January 21st, 2021, we will either have a new president or four more years of our current president. Either way, God is still on the throne. Our responsibility does not change. We are still followers of Christ. Lives marked by the upside-down nature of power within the kingdom of God. And that welcomes us to give ourselves to lead others to this life-giving God as revealed in Jesus Christ. That message never changes. If an elected president changes our society forever and we devolve in the worst possible way that right now we could imagine and some would proclaim that this will happen should one of the, uh, one of those, one of the guys be elected in. And let me play a scenario out for you really quickly. Is that okay? Um, if the U.S. turns into a totalitarian state and religious freedoms are taken away, our freedom of speech is taken away. The right to bear arms is taken away. If all of it changes and we turn into something that, that is, is nothing like we are today, what happens? What I see is Paul in the Roman Empire in a place where there were no rights and yet the church thrives right? We see the people of God doing what God has called them to do regardless of government standing. And I just want us to always keep in mind, um, uh, while it's important, how we vote. And we should vote. I believe we should be engaged. That our ultimate reality is not wrapped up in a political system. Our ultimate reality is wrapped up within the kingdom of God. And so regardless of how you vote, if you vote Republican, if you vote Democrat, right, if you vote independent, if you even abstain from voting, the gospel of Christ does not change. And then that is the thing that we focus our lives upon. And so uh, November 3rd or 4th, uh, 5th, when it's still unclear uh, how this election is turning out, we're expecting it to be uh, quite a journey in this, uh, in this process, probably more so than it has been in recent years because of some uncertainties and uh, states that are jumping into the, uh, uh, the mail-in ballots and haven't figured it out like Utah has. Uh, we know that it's going to be difficult. Yet please, in the process of all of this, um, don't jeopardize your witness for Jesus Christ. It's not worth it, folks. It's not worth it. And so what you're proclaiming on Facebook and proclaiming on Twitter and proclaiming on uh, Snapchat or some other uh, avenues of social media, uh, let's keep Jesus the focus. And remember, by keeping Jesus the focus, we're not proclaiming Jesus a Republican or a Democrat. <laughs> we are proclaiming Jesus as Jesus, okay? And uh, I just, I'm really, I really want to challenge, challenge us as Life Church and challenge us as, as Christians um, that Jesus is who matters in all of this.
Our vote's important. I want us to, to be civically responsible. I want us to be involved uh, in, our, in our process. If we're not involved, we can't complain, right? Um, and so we've got to be involved. We've got to be able to make our voice be heard. But ultimately, remember, it's all about Jesus, okay? Um, and so this week, uh, we will be receiving our mail-in ballots. Make it a matter of prayer. Make it a matter of conviction. And in the end, let us pray that God's will is done. Um, and that in place of expected violence and fear... Right? I'm assuming you've all heard that, right? That uh, almost regardless of the outcome, that there will be violence. That right now, I think one of the latest polls I've seen, that uh, over, it's like nearly 60% of people believe that the United States is on the verge of civil war. I don't know if you've heard that or not. We recognize that as fear. Right? And we do not operate in fear as the people of God. And so regardless of what happens, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's keep our eyes fixed upon him that uh, when we stumble, <laughs> we've, we've got our God who can lift us up. And let us rally around one another beyond politics, beyond the way that you voted, because Jesus matters so much more than that. And within Life Church Utah, all all, uh, um, uh, all political views, you're welcome, okay? You are welcome because our focus is on Jesus Christ and upon the cross. Um, I'm never going to say somebody is not welcome to come and be a part of the family of God because of a political view, okay? And, uh, and I, think, um, I think we as the people of God have got to stand firm uh, upon that. So let your words reflect the grace of Christ and the power of the cross and no gloating, all right, and no mourning uh, should whoever on either side be elected or not be elected, okay? And let's move forward as the people of God. What I want to do, I want to pray for our nation and uh, pray for our upcoming election and uh, pray as we have the ballots being delivered to us uh, coming up uh, this week. And I'm going to invite you to stand. I think this is important for us as a people of God uh, in this moment, and it's worth the... Uh, Oh, wow, 10 minutes or so that I spent on a little diatribe here. So, Father, thank you for this day. And, uh, God, we recognize um, that your church crosses uh, all other kingdoms. God, all other political, uh, 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 political uh, boundaries, Lord, your church crosses all of those. And so, Father, as we, um, we recognize that our ultimate responsibility is to the cross of Jesus Christ, God, we ask you for wisdom coming up here beginning this week here in Utah. Around our nation, there are many others who, uh, whose states have already uh, begun uh, the balloting process, some who are waiting to uh, vote in person. But God, in all of this, we ask for your wisdom, your guidance, and your grace. And Father, when we do cast a vote, Lord, we ultimately recognize that we're not putting our hope and trust in a political system. But God, in the process of this, we aim to honor you, to please you, to bring you glory, and God, to have your kingdom expand. And so, Lord, guide us as we vote. Jesus, I ask that we would be able to uh, look through your word, look through the principles uh, by which you have called us to live. And God, while, while uh, none of our political parties that we have in the United States uh, fully represent you, God, help us to, to, to be able to navigate these political processes and bring honor to you as best we can. 
And Father, when uh, the vote is cast, and Lord, when there's a final declaration of who is going to be president of our United States, who's going to be governor of the state of Utah, all the Senate races, all the House, both locally and nationally, and those that would be uh, for our cities, God, when that final proclamation is made, Lord, I ask that you would allow us as your church to be a place of solace, a place of hope, a place, God, where your kingdom is expanded, where lives are transformed, and that, God, the gospel of Christ would in no way be hindered in its proclamation to the world around us, but that, God, we would be a people that would operate in the power of the spirit of Jesus Christ, and that, God, you would quicken these mortal bodies, that, God, you would help us to be able to be able to proclaim the God who heals, the God who saves, the God who brings reconciliation and restoration, the God who's able to take marriages that are split by politics and bring them back to the foot of the cross, God, that, uh, that you are able to bring back families that are split by politics and bring them back to the peace of Jesus Christ, and that, God, you are able to bring cities and nations back to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, we commit this to you, and we're believing, God, that you're going to guide us and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen, amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Um, Galatians chapter 5, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Uh, nearly every single week, we have proclaimed that scripture verse as our starting point uh, for each one of the weeks that we have uh, gathered together. And uh, I hope that you have seen this verse kind of uh, unfold before you over the last 12 weeks, and we're going to be wrapping up our, uh, our series today very quickly. <laughs> and um, I want to let you know that final words can be incredibly important. Uh, they're recorded at times because they can represent a final message or a final plea from, uh, from an individual. And so I was looking up final words, and uh, Robert the Bruce, King of Scotland, in uh, 1329, on the 7th of June, when he passed away, here's what he said. He said, now, God be with you, my dear children. I have breakfasted with you and shall sup with my Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty good last words, right? I'd rather that than ugh <laughs> or something like that. Um, let's see here, Elizabeth the one, uh, Elizabeth the one, first uh, Elizabeth one, Queen Regent of England in 1603, all my possessions for a moment of time, all my possessions, just wanting one more moment of time and she'd be willing to give it all. And uh, Peter Abelard, who is a French philosopher, said this as his final words, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. And uh, the words spoken by Paul here at the very end of Galatians might not be his final, final words, but they're certainly the final words that are spoken uh, to, uh, to the church in Galatia. Made me think about the final words that I would like to speak on my deathbed. Is that really morbid to think about that? Whether or not I'll be ready and able and all that stuff? And uh, I don't know. That wouldn't be the words I would say, but I'm not real sure right now what I would say. I, might, I need to think about that a little bit, little bit more. And if life, in life groups, that's actually one of the questions uh, for you if you're meeting uh, this weekend. Um, but here he apparently picks up the pen himself on these last words, and he, um, he writes down uh, these, uh, these words, because before this, he's been dictating the letter to, um, uh, to somebody who would write that down for him, and he gets to the very end of the letter, and this is what, um, uh, this is what he says, and, and, and he employs this device, basically, because he is passionate that the Galatians understand his deep concern for them, so he's written this letter 
And then at the very end of it, he picks up the pen on his own. And maybe it's, uh, you know, his, the, the guy who's been writing it for him. He's like, you know what? I got to pick up this pen myself and just let people know how serious I am about what's being said. But he says this, verse 11, see what large letters I make when I am writing in my own hand. So this appears to be something of Paul's signature, something that he wrote, you know, very large letters. And, and one, of the other, um, one of the other letters that he wrote, he talks about how the, the church would have uh, gouged out their eyes for him uh, to heal him. That was the, 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 uh, kind of the depth of relationship. And so some have believed that he wrote with big letters because his eyes were very poor. And so he had to write with large letters so he could know what he was writing. But this was kind of his signature, and he says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised don't themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. So this has been the common theme through most of the letter of Galatians. That there were people trying to sneak into the church, trying to tell you and trying to tell the church back in Galatia that they had to do something more in order to be saved. That faith in Jesus Christ alone wasn't enough. And so these were Judaizers who were coming in and joining in some of the, the, the beliefs in Judaism, which was circumcision for males, uh, that that had to be added on and the, then following all the laws of Moses had to be added to faith in order for you to be saved. And Paul was like, no. This is not the case. And so Paul's uh, here is calling into question the motivation of those who are telling the church that you need to do this. And have you ever been told by somebody not to do something? Right? Uh, as parents, uh, you tell your children not to do something. What's your motivation for telling your child not to stick their hand on a hot stove? What's your motivation? Just to be mean to them, to tell them to not do it? No, of course not, right? There's a motivation that you know about in your heart. Now, if you, your motivation was the opposite, hey, the stove is on. Hey, uh, little Johnny, why don't you touch the stove? Your motivation is very wrong, okay? Um, but there's this motivation that Paul's getting to, the, the heart of the matter for the people that were telling, um, telling this church uh, to add into it the things of Judaism belief. Um, Paul was calling into question that motivation. And I think we as followers of Christ, we've got to be very careful our motivation when we are correcting people and the motivation of others who are correcting us. In our world of politics, right, especially now, uh, we're wondering motivations for all of it, right? Motivation is kind of at the front and center. Why are people saying the things that they are saying right now in order to get votes, <laughs> Right, the stuff that you see on TV, negative attack ads, whatever it is, you're seeing that stuff is order to get votes, and that motivation is there and very plain to see. So the decisions that these Judaizers were making um, was because they wanted to uh, not face persecution. That was certainly part of their motivation. Their motivation was that, uh, you know what, in the world around us, we don't want to face persecution, so it's difficult to follow up. He says, we're going to just kind of make these decisions so that we can blend in to the world in which we live. Now, for them, it was blending in within a religious culture uh, in Israel. That's, that's what they were trying to blend into. So that persecution for the cross is very different for us. But I think the heart of the matter here is, is Paul was calling into question the motivation of the people trying to make them look like themselves. Key in your life, when someone brings correction, is a motivation so that they look good or so that you become whole? 
Is the motivation for people's life coming in to correct you and you've done something wrong, um, which I think many of us have done, <laughs> done something wrong, and somebody says, hey, uh, Rich, you need to change this, and my question inside that I'm asking is, why are you asking me to change? Is it for you? so that you can look good, so that you can draw me to your side, is it so that you can somehow have a, um, have a uh, uh, what is it, a feather in your hat or whatever that is, or are you doing it genuinely because you're concerned about who I am? You're genuinely concerned about my faith. You're genuinely concerned about re- my relationship with Christ. Paul saw through the motivation of the people that were trying to change the church, and he called them on it. We also need to be very careful about why we're asking people to change. And it's got to be because Jesus Christ wants to transform lives and the decisions that we make matter. These decisions that we make matter now. And just like I remember a couple of, or, uh, last week when we talked about um, our responsibility <laughs> when somebody stumbles, our responsibility is to come alongside of them. That's the proper motivation, to bring them back into relationship with God, bring them back into relationship with the church, back into relationship with spouses or friends that are following Christ, right? That is what we are supposed to do, and that is the right motivation. So these others desired to boast about themselves. They wanted to make themselves the center. Their motivation, all of their things was about them rather than the motivation that Paul is calling, uh, calling us to, which he reveals in the next little bit in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. He says this, he says, may I never boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, for neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. So what is the motivation that is actually helpful in lives? What is it? Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the bottom line for our motivation is to bring people to Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 118 says this, and, and this is Paul uh, speaking other, uh, in his other letters. Um, he says, for the, uh, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This message of the cross of Christ at times doesn't seem to make sense. Because it is so upside down to the world around us. It is so foreign to the world around us that it makes us uncomfortable because it doesn't mesh with everything that we see. In the cross being central to all that Paul is boasting about, he reframes his earlier message to the Galatians. I don't know if you remember this in Galatians uh, chapter 2. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives through me. This is what Paul was saying, this this motivation that we have and why we do the things we do. And he hits it over and over and over again in the book of Galatians. If Paul has died and the world with him, there's no boasting since nothing is left. If I have died and I have died to this world around me and the world to me has died, There is no boasting except in the cross of Christ. And so hopefully when people look at me and hopefully when people look at you, what they see is Jesus Christ. This is what Paul ultimately is getting to. 
Because at this point, he could have reiterated and say, hey, um, you know, uncircumcision is better than circumcision. He goes, no, that's not the point. Circumcision, uncircumcision is not the point. All of those things are external. All of those are things that are forced upon you from the outside. What does Paul say matters the most? New creation is everything. This new creation is God beginning to work in us from the inside out rather than the outside in. The motivation of those who were trying to just boast in themselves or boast in the flesh of others was from the outside in. And Paul says that's not right. Because what's right is faith in Jesus Christ that leads us to become a new creation different person. Something happens. The old man, uh, Paul says later, uh, the old man has died and the new has come. We're a different creation. He says, may I never boast about anything. For Paul, may I never boast about circumcision or uncircumcision. May I never boast about followers. May I never boast about my successes. May I never boast about me getting my way. May I never boast about anything except one thing, the cross. That's what matters in our lives. Um, was reading this the other day out of a uh, um, out of a commentary and thought it was great. It says by by virtue of his coming, this is Christ. By virtue of his coming and his atoning death on the cross, he has inaugurated and brought about a new creation. His cross makes an absolute break between the new and the old world. Therefore, what matters now is no longer circumcision or uncircumcision since that distinction belongs to the old, old world, but participation in the new order of existence. This new order is characterized by a new relationship to God that is bound to Christ and accepted by faith. The cross symbolizes this break. And so it's become Paul's sole object of boasting. When we see the cross of Christ, when we talk about the cross of Christ, it truly is that slash dividing point in our lives. That we were one way, the cross interrupted our lives, and now we are different. And we can always look back to the cross and say, this is where I was changed. For me, it was the summer, I believe, of 1987, maybe 19, well, actually summer of 1986, when God started to work on my life, and he's not complete Right? Any of you complete in Jesus right now? Like totally got it all figured out? I don't think any of us, right? Um, but that was that starting point, and I'm able to look back at that point and say, devil, right? Boasting in anything else, this is where my life changed. This is the new creation. This is uh, the old rich was gone. The new rich has come, and I'm changed forever. Without the cross, we're a nice group of people. You realize that? We're, we're, we're just a nice group of people gathering together for a social experience. <laughs> but with the cross of Christ identifying who we are, we are the transformed family of God. And we represent Jesus in everything that we do. So the cross should redefine our life and how we live. We're dead to the world, dead to sin, dead to motivations that lead away from the cross. Romans 6, 4 says this, Therefore, we have been buried 
uh, buried with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. This is what we are to be, is people that walk in newness of life. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet as we uh, close out our morning. You know, the great thing is about this new creation is that it's not just Paul's idea. There's a, uh, there's a passage, I don't have it for you, but in uh, John chapter 7, uh, verse 38, uh, talking about new creation himself. And he says, basically, when you believe in Christ, that, that streams of living water will be coming out of your inmost being. That Jesus even recognizes that belief in him, understanding who he is, and, and having him in your life, it changes the way that you live your life, changes the way you interact with, your, with the people in the world, especially those within the church and the world around us, right? That we are to be different. And Jesus Christ marks our lives so we can never be the same. And all this happens from the inside out. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. You're here this morning, or maybe you are online uh, joining with us this morning, and uh, you know that you need to be a new creation. You recognize that the old you is still around, kicking and screaming, alive and well, and you'd say, you know, I know that there has to be a change in my life. I'm doing a lot of boasting about how good I am, and I recognize really how bankrupt that is. You're here this morning and say, I need to, to have identification in Jesus Christ. I need to turn my life over him and trust him to live differently. If that's you this morning or you're online as well, I'm going to just invite you very simply, raise your hand real quickly if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A number of hands up. I'm going to invite uh, each one of you. Just pray a very simple prayer after me. Actually, all of us together pray a very simple prayer with me online as well. You can join me. Say, dear Lord Jesus. Thank you that you make me a new creation, that you forgive my sins, that you have desired to restore relationship with Father God. Jesus, accept me as I am. Change me from the inside out. Make me new. And Jesus, thank you in advance for the blessings you're going to bring in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it'd be great if we rejoice with those who made that decision. Now, one of the things you can do is uh, text the word journey to 74574. If you've got your phones, I encourage you to do that. If you're online, I would love for you to do that as well. Text 74574, text the word journey. And uh, this is uh, an opportunity for you uh, to be able to take these first steps uh, into following after Christ. Uh, all of this is also available on our website, lifechurchutah.com. You know, uh, in this whole series, I have, uh, I've really been challenged in my own life uh, to, uh, to take, I mean, right, I mean, we should all be challenged. And uh, I want to take very seriously this, uh, this challenge that we live a new life. Right, that we have the Spirit living within us, that the fruit of the Spirit is growing in our lives. And so I just want to pray over us as a congregation that God's will would be accomplished within us and that uh, we would be able to receive the blessing of the Lord in our lives. I'm going to just invite you to lift your hands up to the Lord as we close in prayer. Father, 
Uh, Lord, I am so grateful for your word. I'm grateful, God, that it is alive and active, that, God, your word, as it is spoken, your word as it is studied, that, God, it's, uh, it goes to the deepest parts of who we are. It divides joints and marrows, God. It begins to judge the intentions of our hearts. God, it judges the motivations of our hearts. And so, God, I pray your blessing upon your people. And God, as your word comes alive to us individually, God, let it transform us corporately. God, help us to live differently because of what you did on the cross. And Lord, as Paul said, let us boast in nothing else, no other person, no other accomplishment, but God, we would boast only in the cross of Jesus Christ because Lord, new creation is what matters. And so, God, I pray your blessing upon this congregation. Those who are watching us online, I pray a blessing. God, make your face to shine upon us. Lord, I pray that you would guide us in your ways. Lord, that you would bring us peace. And that, uh, Father, you would allow us the the, uh, privilege and the joy of leading people to you. And God, I believe that you've called us as the people of God. Lord, you've called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. So, Lord, help us to be more like you. Lord, we love you. We praise you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, don't, don't forget, um, we start a new series next week about kind of the vision of Life Church Utah. You really need to be here. Uh, catch, check us out online. And then also don't forget, be able to sign up uh, for life groups out in the lobby. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much. See you next week.